Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Red Sox On Deck Podcast, talking prospects for the Red Sox minor league system. This is episode number 22. I'm your host, Bob Osgood, joined by Shelly Verstrait. Shelly, how is it going? How about that trade deadline that was nuts last week? Oh, that trade deadline was just amazing. Um, I really am upset with myself that I didn't just, like, take off uh, work. Just to read the news? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had just kind of like a live feed of, um, uh, of, of, you know, just of the things that were going on, like people just talking about like things were going down. Um, and basically, I did not get any, any work done. I hope my boss is not listening. I did not get <laughs> any work done from like noon on Friday on. It was yeah. just, it was great. Yeah, Friday afternoon was a total loss. I mean, there was just something coming in every five, ten minutes, and so much of it dealing with the AL East across the board, except for Baltimore. But you know, New York loading up with left-handed bats, uh, getting Rizzo and Gallo, and then Toronto with a quite a price that they paid for Jose Barrios, um, seemingly giving it a shot this year, but really throwing their hat in the ring next year as well having Berrios with one year of control remaining and such a great lineup and then Tampa trading for Nelson Cruz and then trading their best reliever out so I can't figure out and I'm not going to say they didn't get any better because they just swept the Red Sox um, <laughs> but just really interesting across the board I know some folks around here thought we should have done a little more but we'll get into that in a second first some maintenance and reminders if you enjoy what we do here please give us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you use to listen to the over the monster podcast uh we've got the the over the monster podcast with matt collins and brian joiner the red seat podcast with jake Devereaux and keaton derosher Precap with Shelly and Keaton as well. We got right here the On Deck podcast. Had Ian Cundell on last week. If you didn't catch that episode, uh, Ian with SoxProspects.com was a great guest. We talked to him for over an hour about the draft and the state of the system. So, um, you know, we'll probably reference a couple of points from last week uh, in this episode as well, as some of those things carried over a little bit. Um, but let's start with some news and notes. Trade deadline. As we mentioned to start the show, uh, three trades that the Red Sox made within the final 24 hours, really one significant one and a couple of minor deals. Um, Aldo Ramirez traded to Washington for Kyle Schwarber. I shed a few tears with that one. Shelly, what did you think of, of the first of the three deals and most significant one that they made? Um, I mean, I, I kind of understood it. Um, 
I mean, there were a lot of things that I really wish that the Rizx would have done during, you know, the trading deadline. But um, we really needed some like left hand pop. Um, so if you could give up, sadly, Aldo Ramirez, who is like a, a you know, you know, he's an, a, a lower level pitcher for a guy who was before his hamstring injury was just absolutely on fire and just just blasting home runs all over the place yeah i get it i totally get it especially for this year um i i as much as i love ramirez i don't think that he's gonna hopefully i don't think that he's gonna come back and kind of burn us you know yeah um so i get it it's just it's like uh that was you know, it, it really stinks to, you know, give up Ramirez. Yeah, I was hoping that that name was Anthony Rizzo coming back in the case 100%. that... 100%. Yeah, in the case that the Cubs were um, picking up the salary, which so many of those trades at the deadline were. Um, they picked that up with New York. It sounds like we probably, for Rizzo, would have had to give a second prospect, uh, as New York did. You know, something similar to Ramirez and then... Um, maybe a top 20 to 25 second piece. And, um, you know, I wrote a glowing article about Aldo Ramirez back in April on the Dynasty Guru <laughs> um, that, you know, just talked about how he pitched effectively at each level and the command of two pitches, which uh, included the changeup and uh, that the curveball was improving and how he really pitched great at the alternate sites and fall instructs last year that he really impressed and he was throwing harder and then continued that in the first month of the year uh, before his injury and but I get it you know this is a deal that you make you gotta we, we had to do something and we needed a left-handed bat and I figure you know Schwarber came up as a catcher if he could learn offense I, I hope that he could learn first base but I thought the same thing about Christian Arroyo, and he made it, what, three or four innings <laughs> recently uh, before he got hurt. So, um, you know, I'm excited about Schwarber. He was unbelievable. As hot as anybody in the league uh, has been, you know, this whole season in that three or four week span before he got hurt. Uh, looks like he's week, week and a half away. Going to be coming back around the same time as Chris Sale. So, Moving on, Alex Scherf uh, traded for Hansel Robles, and Michael Chavis traded for Austin Davis were the other two deals. Any thoughts on what went out or the return or either of these? Does this move the needle for you at all? Um, to be honest, not really. Um, I wasn't a really big Hansel Robles fan, so giving up Scherf to you know just kind of pick up a major league uh, believer okay sure whatever yeah um seeing that you know michael chavis uh was traded just for another reliever austin davis who hasn't really performed well so far um i get it but it still kind of hurts um i mean i didn't really think that chavis really fit with the roster um fit with the team really anymore and i just he just cannot hit the high fastball whatsoever. But it just kind of, it's kind of sad to see, you know, a guy who was like a really fun Twitter follow, really fun guy, really good clubhouse guy, just get traded for a reliever. That that kind of, yeah. that kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, I think on a lot of lists, former number one prospect in the system at one point of the <laughs> Dombrowski era. Um, yeah. 
But, yeah, I, I had no problem with trading Chavis. He's about yeah. to turn 26. It was more, it almost seemed like if there was a week that we na- needed him to be on the team, um, you saw just some of the depth issues that we had with all, and it, we're having Marwin Gonzalez come back and, you know, some other reinforcements that are coming, whether Santana ends up with the team or not. But it was a weekend that it was glaring that they needed just maybe one more bat and one more second baseman when um, Arauz made a couple of errors, and that was tough. So it was, like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of return, so it was almost why do it, but it's not anything that I'm going to lose any sleep over. Um, Moving along with the news and notes, we talked last week a lot about Judd Fabian, um, how he was promised three million it sounded like that was the peter gammons number and i know that ian talked about that a good amount really that all the red Sox could offer because they did not go under slot in the first round was something in that 2.1 possibly 2.4 if they got super creative um and he just was not willing to sign at that number and there was nothing that they could do about it they couldn't take that money from another slot and move it into this one so judd fabian going back to florida outfielder and they'll get the 41st pick in return next year uh they did sign two of the players that we talked about last week nathan hickey the catcher from florida in the fifth round i believe right at the one million um mark as his slot was about four hundred thousand. And then Nico Cavadas in the 11th round, the first baseman from Notre Dame that we were excited about two weeks ago and we talked a little bit about last week, just, you know, that power first, first baseman approach that he has, but I'm glad we were able to sign him. And 16 out of 20 signed, along with uh, Fabian, the three that they didn't sign was the shortstop Zach Earhart in the 15th round, um, or in the 13th round, excuse me, the 15th rounder was Peyton Green. And Josh Hood, another shortstop in the 20th round. Green and Hood both heading to NC State. It was not really expected that either of them would sign. So overall, I think it went well. Just unfortunate that they, uh, you know, you could argue they should have approached the second round a little bit differently. But we'll see how that works out. Marcus Wilson released. He was, ended up just kind of being a 40-man crunch. Uh, He signed on with Seattle. Shelly, you talked a little bit throughout the um, the last couple of months about possibility of it being a trade piece. Um, over the last month, he was hitting 184 and had only had one homer and one steal after a really hot start to the season. So it just seems like there was some interest, but not enough for a trade. Yeah, and it, it just really stinks. Um, because, I mean, like you said, like his, you know, start of the season was just, like, so great, right? And it's like, oh, maybe he, could he maybe fill in, maybe even before Duran gets called up, you know, because he's only yeah. 40 men, all these things. And, you know, you know, he's been scuffling here recently. And just seeing that we just kind of lost him just because, like, there wasn't even a trade scenario there. That kind of stinks. Um, I wish him well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just kind of caught me off guard. I just didn't expect him to be DFA'd, but I get it. I, I, I mean, I understand it. Yeah, I, I think that they're really going to start to make some, do some maneuvering with the 40 man, and they might be looking ahead to the return of sale. Um, you know, some players coming off of the IL, possibly a couple players we're going to talk about in the 
podcast today that could get added to the 40-man. So they probably saw a crunch coming both now as well as in the offseason and just a couple of players that they probably tried to make larger deals for, but in the end couldn't get a whole lot for Javis or Marcus Wilson. Uh, and then lastly, <clears throat> the um, well, not lastly, but moving along, Chris, Chris sailed through three and two-thirds innings in Portland, uh, or excuse me, in Worcester. He's going to get one more start in Worcester. Um, struck out nine. The play that I couldn't believe was Tate Matheny's catch. Shelly, I don't know if you saw that. The play in left center field, robbing a home run, scaling the wall. Um, you know, we can link to it in the show notes. It was just spectacular, and I can't think of a more exciting moment than making a play like that in front of a full house. Obviously, there was a lot of demand to go see Chris Sale in Worcester. Place was going crazy. Sale was raving about it. So uh, we're, we're one week away from the return of hot prospect Chris Sale coming up. And I cannot wait. Yeah, that, that catch was amazing, and I will make a note to put that that uh, catch in the show notes so everyone yeah. listening can just go um, just, just relive that amazing <laughs> catch. <laughs> I was in awe of that play. Um, some promotions, very quick promotions for uh, Blaze Jordan and Tyler McDonough, the third-round draft pick, recent draftee. Up to low A, they were in the Florida Complex League, and they we're going to talk about Jordan, uh, Blaze Jordan a little bit shortly. But Tyler McDonough was just there for a few games and looked ready to move on to low A. Um, Chris Murphy, your guy as well, moving up to Double A Portland. Uh, do you think that this was more is this results based uh, in terms of his recent performance at High A Greenville, or do you think it's more of an age thing to see, you know, what they can get? Uh, or what they have here going into the offseason with Murphy? Um, I kind of think that it's both. Um, I mean, he's has been pitching pretty well his last couple starts. His, you know, his walks have, he's really limited the walks his last couple starts. And, yeah, I, I am totally excited to see what he does in A Because, as we know, like, the move from high A to double A is one of the biggest like transitions. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you could kind of say going from the minors to the majors, especially with a lot of like high profile minor leaguers um, prospects have really struggled going from the minor leagues to the major leagues has been a big obstacle um, this year. But that being said, the the whole high A to double A is an is just is a huge step and i am going to be watching every single start um (laughs) i mean i've been a fan of chris murphy ever since he was drafted so i'm hoping you know i'm hoping that he can keep that those walks down keep the control in check but yeah i this is a this is a really really big test for him and i'm i'm hoping he can pass yeah he had a six start stretch around late May to early June, uh, with 31 innings, only gave up seven runs, only walked seven, had 31 strikeouts. Had a couple of mediocre outings recently, you know, one blow up and one average start, a couple of very good starts in there. A lot of strikeouts, though. He's getting seven, nine, five, seven Ks, so 
Uh, I think, yeah, he definitely needed another challenge. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's 23 and he's at high A, and, you know, they just want to see how he'll he'll handle that challenge at double A. Sure, his ERA is 4.21, but if you look at all the other numbers, I think he's deserving of a look. While he may not have totally dominated the level, you have to see what you have there because he'll be 24 in the early end of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> a couple of Olympic notes. The United States... Tristan Cassis, 4 for 13 um, at the Olympics, has a double and two home runs. He had a three-run home run against Japan to put the U.S. ahead 6-3 to three the other night in what is kind of a quasi-semifinal game. Um, then Japan came back and won the game. And then in addition, there's Johan Miesis, who hit a game-tying moonshot today for the Dominican Republic uh, against Israel in an elimination game. Ninth inning, I mean, this was 100 rows deep. And then, of all people, Jose Bautista, that Jose <laughs> Bautista at the age of 40 had a walk-off single. So I believe that that's the matchup uh, tonight, Tuesday night, United States and Dominican Republic playing in an elimination game. And then Japan and South Korea are in uh, more of a winner's bracket type of game. So uh, hopefully Cassius can contribute and keep the United States alive. Uh don't know if I'll make it to the midnight start time on that one tonight, but I'll see what I can do. Uh, so what we thought we were going to do is, in the last 30 days, we were going to look at each level. Because, Shelly, we've kind of had so much content that has been draft-related, previewing the draft, uh, following up, seeing who's signed, talking to Ian. We haven't really dove into each of the levels in a while. So uh, I figure... You can start it off. Let's go from low to high. We'll go through some of the uh, rookie level ball first. And uh, where do you want to start? Um, I guess I'll, I'll I'll take the the easy player here. Uh, the guy who got promoted. Uh, I, I'm gonna talk about uh, Blaze Jordan. Um, yeah. and he uh, his you know stat line and just everything that I've seen. Um, has actually like really surprised me. Um, I mean, I knew that he was like a big time like slugger, right? Big time slugger. I just always thought that he was just gonna have um, some swing and miss. Um, but he's looked good so far. I mean, yes, the swing the swing and miss is still there. However, like he's hitting three sixty two, four oh eight, six sixty seven. You know, with like four hundred, he's just he's just really just showing that yeah, there is more than just swing and miss here. Like there is actually like a dude here. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm really excited to see him at another level. Um, I I mean I like I said I still have my reservations on that swing and miss. I just need to see him move up to higher levels. But what he's shown this year, I'm like okay, okay, dude. Yeah. yeah, you totally deserve that promotion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, great to see and worked out with what they did last year, yeah. taking York early on and then going with Jordan. Obviously, a long way to go. Jordan, very young. I believe he's was 17 when he was drafted, so he's going to be 18 now. Um, but, yeah, he's been great in 19 games. And we're talking about the Florida Complex League Red Sox to start. That's one of the, the rookie ball teams. I'm going to go with a pitcher, uh, Wilkelman Gonzalez. And he, 
overall, he's 3-2 and two with a 3.55 uh, in 25 innings. Uh, 0.99 whip has 35 Ks in those 25 innings, but if you just look at the last four starts, he has absolutely dominated. In those four, he's had 20 innings pitched, three earned runs allowed, only three walks, and all of those were last night. He had allowed 0-0 and zero walks in the three games before that with 28 strikeouts. And I think he's a name that you're really going to see shoot up the prospect list uh, later this year and in the offseason. Um, because partially, like, if you look at the uh, Fangraphs review, um, you know, Eric Loggenhagen mentioned that he was touching 95 at age 18 and um, had considered putting him into his top 40 or 45 list going into this season. Um, but part of the I'm sure the hesitation was his command. He had a 25 command ranking with a potential of 50, but three very good pitches, fastball, slider, and changeup. Um, that command has improved a ton. As I mentioned, he's only walked three in the last four starts, and three of those were no walks. So uh, he had a 4.66 walks per nine in rookie ball two years ago. So for me, I think that now that he's shown that he can have a little better command and control and has dominated a few starts. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Wilkelman Gonzalez um, ends up currently in the Florida Complex League. And he is 19 years old, only 19. As I mentioned, he was throwing 95 at 18. So um, I think that they have a really exciting hitter that just got promoted to low A and pitcher that they've, they've had so far this year. Mm-hmm. All right, um, moving along to the Dominican Summer League Red Sox, where they have two teams, and these are a lot of 16, 17-year-old players may not have uh, a ton of scouting reports or a ton that we can go off of or film that we've seen yet, but uh, there's a player, John Frank Salazar, who in the early goings is hitting 378, on base percentage of 463. Um, he's had six walks and two strikeouts. Um, three steals so far this season. So, uh, you know, his scouting report, really, you couldn't find a whole lot. But with uh, Sox prospects, you know, mentioned that he's a, is a tall, projectable frame. He's thin, but has shown some good ability at the plate and a plus arm as well. Um, so, John Frank Salazar, he is a shortstop with the Dominican Summer League. Um, as I mentioned, 11% walk rate, 3.7% K rate in a limited one-month sample so far. I thought that that name stuck out. I don't know if you have any players from the DSL you wanted to mention. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to give like a little hat tip um, to Francis Hernandez. Um, he's a pitcher. Yeah. Um, he has a really, really good, just, just looking at the stat line, one two three era 0.95 whip in 14 and two-thirds innings that's 15 strikeouts so yeah the strike the you know the total strikeout numbers aren't necessarily there but he's holding his own um i i was doing some digging today and i couldn't really find much about the kid yeah. um but just i'm like okay i'm gonna keep my eye out on him um because yeah he's he's pitching extremely well yeah, and we're going to try to profile a player from each of these levels um, every week for these last couple months of the season here because we talked so much about the other four levels. And like I mentioned, you know, these lower levels uh, debuted over the last month to six weeks. 
Uh, so there's play that we can dig into there. Working our way up to Salem in low A. Uh, who do you choose there, Shelly? Uh, yeah, uh, this might be maybe a little bit more on the uh, uh, bad side. I don't know. Like, I, I, I brought up this guy before. Um, it's Gibraltar Jimenez. Um, I, 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 I love the defense. I really do. Um, if you look at the average, it's totally fine. It's 306, 361, 400. You know, in the last 30 one. days, yeah. Yep, in the last 30 days. Um, it's, it's, oh, it's okay. It's just okay. I, what I am concerned about is his ground ball rate. It is he's, his profile is extremely, uh, ground ball dependent. Which I guess is okay because I mean he could run really fast, so he can like really run off those ground balls. But I'm afraid to see what's going to happen when he goes up to another level. Um, and uh, you know he's a switch hitter, right? I I'm thinking that he needs to pick a side and just focus on that. I mean I know that he's not going to have like humongous power or whatever. But I'm just afraid that he's just going to be like this slappy guy yeah. Um, that can play really, really good defense. And I I am, I, I, I was, prior to the season, like I was holding out hope that, you know, something would happen. And I'm not seeing it. And it's kind of scaring me a bit. Yeah. And like you said, it's a, it's a decent average when he's 21 years old playing at low A and I think the hope was that he would dominate the level is what you're saying, you know, and yeah. show everybody that, that he was, he's mastered that and ready to go on to the next one. And he's kind of just played at the level that was expected of him. And he's on the top five in most lists. We'll see if he continues to stay there. Um, I went with Shane Drohan, who was the, the fifth round pick, uh, left-handed pitcher uh, last year, 2020, that he was drafted. Last three starts, he has pitched uh, 14 innings and struck out 14, uh, only given up two runs and walked a total of three batters. So Drohan has really come on over the last two weeks. I know I'm kind of uh, picking not exactly the last 30 days because if you look at his last 30, he's got an ERA of 4.05, but he's been great in his last three starts. So good to see Drohan. We talked about Wu Yelland with... Um, with Ian Cundell last week, Drohan, the other pick at the same level, left-hander uh, in the fifth round. So he's a player that I'm excited about. Uh, I think that their staff has a, a couple of exciting arms there. Moving along to Greenville, Christian Koss was my name. Uh, he is a shortstop. And really early in the season, you saw him uh, you know, fall in a lot of rankings because he was hitting 230 at the end of June. Uh, in 40 games, he had struck out 47 times. I think he was uh, an exciting potential prospect to see which direction he would go after the year off, and it just seemed like he wasn't able to handle high A through June, but then has totally turned things around since. Uh, in the last 30 days, he's hitting 361, OBP of 404, slugging of 554, He's got four home runs, so four of his five this season have come in the last 30 days with 13 RBI, which is more than the 12 that he had the first two months, um, and has only struck out 14 times in the last 20 games. So he came over from Colorado in a trade in 2019. In Colorado, he had hit 332 in the rookie league with 11 home runs in only 53 games. So 
obviously just rookie league ball that he had played so far. So I was excited to, to get a look at him at the A-level. Uh, and in high A, he's now hitting really well. And I think probably will move back to around where he was at the start of the season in different um, prospect lists. So he's 23 years old. Christian Koss, who I don't think we've talked about a whole lot, figured deserved a shout-out here. Uh, who would you have at Greenville, Shelley? Uh, yeah, I had another uh, 23-year-old, uh, Tyler Bearden. Um, he's been as- yep. absolutely, you know, just smashing the ball. Like, in the past, you know, in the past month, he's hit six home runs, gets 14 RBI, uh, you know, 266 average. Um, but the dude's just been killing it. Like, um, I kind of, like, look at um, all of the minor league teams um, every single day, just seeing who's going off. And Tyler, honestly, has been just killing it the last, probably yeah. the last couple weeks. Um, yeah, I, I do think that he's more of a platoon guy. Um, I mean, he's hit 13 of his 14 home runs so far as when he's been facing right-handed pitching. Um, so it's definitely a little bit more platoony, um, but it, I just really love whenever I like look at stats and like, oh yeah, Tyler Dern, he just yep he hit another home run. So it's I just good to see to people it. producing, you know. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yep, a hundred percent. Yeah, it, it it's just good to see you know people coming out of that year and and just proving that. Maybe they improve more than than you would have known if they weren't at Instructs or yeah. um, you know anything like that. So a couple other names that just are at that level that I figured were interesting. Grant Gambrell came over in the uh, Benintendi trade. He was one of the players to be named, and in the past 30 days, he's given up 13 runs in 15 innings on 23 hits with nine walks that's a whip of 2.09 and probably you know that was an exciting starting pitcher arm exciting might be a stretch but that was you know one of the names that was more interesting out of the return of the players to be named and really has not uh, handled that level too well so far i think we should shout out joe davis as much as possible but he has since his promotion after he was just on fire at low A in those 11 games, he's hit 356. He's hit three home runs with nine RBI since getting promoted to, to high A. So those were a couple of other options uh, as well. You know, one good, one bad, but good to see Joe Davis continue to hopefully slug his way up and maybe get a shot someday. Um, going ahead to Portland, the I'll start with Pedro Castellanos. And in the last 30 days, he's hitting 330, a 381 OBP. He's had three home runs, 12 RBI. Um, you know, he's 23 years old, so pretty age appropriate for Double A. And I think a lot of the concern with Castellanos was the swing and miss as he got older and started to face tougher, tougher pitching. And Double A is is a, a, a tough level to make that jump. And also, you know, a hit first first baseman, so little room for error but he's really hit well and he's hit even better recently and that 17.3 percent k rate that he has season long uh you know he hasn't been overpowered he's been putting the ball in play he's walking nine percent of the time and they're actually even though it seems like he doesn't have any uh, potential in the outfield um you know defensively they've played him there 59 games in left field this year even though he didn't really project well and he hasn't made an error and i know that's not everything but 
it seems like he's holding his own. If he hasn't made an error in 59 games, if that's that's what it has on Fangraph, so hopefully that's accurate. Um, so Pedro Castellanos, I think a name that you know could be a a potential slugger uh, if he continues to hit at these higher levels. Yeah, Pedro Castellanos has been like uh, just kind of like one of those those guys that I just have liked. Um, and then just, like, going back to, like, Joe Davis, like, if I could get, like, a jersey of, like, a Greenville, like, drive logo and then just Davis on the back, I would totally just wear that and no one would understand. Um, I would totally I might have to. It. I'm going to hit him up on Twitter and see if we can do that. <laughs> I would totally wear that because, oh, Joe Davis. Yep. I love Joe Davis. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, hitting you know hitting up to Portland, uh, Cutter Crawford was kind of like a guy that I kind of just wanted to just kind of talk about. Um, you know, he's coming off TJ, right? Um, yep. And uh, yeah, he's been he's he was really really good um, at his first stop um, at Double A. Um, you know, he had a three thirty average. Uh, a 330 ERA and a .82 WHIP uh, before his promotion. I mean, he was just he was just lights out. Um, I, I I'm not exactly sure if he's going to be a starter. I, I think that he's going to be more of a reliever. You know, he I love that the cutter uh, Cutter Crawford has a awesome cutter. Just everything <laughs> and that is just just absolutely amazing. You know, but in his 46, uh, about 46 innings, he had, you know, just an amazing strikeout rates, and he didn't really walk anybody, Um, and he's just now getting his start up at uh, AAA, but yeah, this is a guy you kind of need to watch out. Uh, I'm hoping that he could be a starter. I don't think so, but the dude totally killed it coming off TJ. Yeah. I'd love to see it. And he definitely deserved the promotion at AAA and in his first start gave up three runs in six innings uh you know qualified for our last 30 days since he spent all but one start there in Portland so we put him on the AA list but now at AAA but yeah totally as you mentioned deserved that promotion um is 25 years old and one of their few healthy depth starter arms and breaking case of emergency type of things for Cutter Crawford um, going down to Worcester, do you want to start this one off with your pal? Yeah, yeah, I'll start this one off. Um, again, maybe I'm going a little bit negative here. Uh, but, uh, Gino Downs, um, uh, the strikeout rate is really, really concerning to me. Um, he's not making, um, just a lot of contact. Like, he has a 68% contact percentage just all the strikeouts he's swinging and just missing um and even if you look from a splits perspective um he's only hitting 212 against righties and 183 um against lefties it's just a lot of swing and miss there um i i don't really know what to think i i didn't really i expected some swing and miss but maybe not this much um, I, I'm hoping that, you know, just, just some more reps and he'll kind of like, you know, you know, bring that strikeout rate down a bit, but yeah, I, I was not expecting this amount of whiffs from him. 
Yeah, and you hoped as the season went on that the numbers would improve month by month after the year off, after basically skipping double A. I think Ian was trying to talk us off a ledge a little bit last week when we brought up him hitting under 200. But, I mean, that that was a full month of June that he hit, uh, or of, of July, excuse me, that he hit 129 with 22 strikeouts and 64 at-bats. So, I don't know. I wasn't overreacting in the first month or two, but I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, you know, not like... <laughs> The Mookie Betts trade, we won't go down that road, but uh, one of the players that we got back and was hoping uh, that he would have a better second half. So we'll see. We'll continue to monitor him Monitor him later this, uh, as the season goes on. I wanted to talk about Jairo Munoz a little bit, and he might just be one of those players that I don't really know why I continue to look at his numbers. He's not on the 40-man roster. He's an older, maybe not even a prospect anymore. But over the last 30 days, he's hitting 369. His OBP is 404, slugging a 560. Uh, two homers, 10 RBI, six steals. And he's only struck out six times in 84 at bats. So he has as many stolen bases as he has strikeouts over the last month. Uh, on the season, he's hitting 303. He's got 13 steals. He's got a K rate of only 14% overall. And he was decent on that in September when. Nobody was watching last year, or only a few of us sickos were watching at that time. But in the 12 games that I watched him play, I thought he looked good. He had a WRC plus of 124 at the major league level in a short period of time. And I was surprised when they released him or kind of, um, you know, moved him off of the 40-man in the offseason that he wasn't claimed elsewhere. So I was kind of digging into where he's been playing in the minors this year. And overall in his career, he's played a lot of second, short, third, outfield, can play all over. And I, I saw that the only nine games he's ever played in the minors of the majors was this year, which is consistent with what they were doing with everybody. Just try everyone at first base, and Munoz looks like he was one of those. So he's not someone that has played a ton of first historically. They've just worked him in there a little bit. But I don't know. Maybe the I'm at a point of the season where I feel like whether they want to have a lot of flexibility in the 40-man, you can tell. But... I don't care about that as much once you get to August. I think, I don't know, I'd rather see Munoz up here than Danny Santana or at least give him a shot, especially now that Chavis has been traded just as a, a depth piece, and he's just been hitting so well, and I thought held his own up here last year. Yeah, I totally agree. And just kind of like looking at his stats, um, is he the new Ruzni Castillo? Great call. I know, like just something that is holding it like if, if he was on the 40 man he would have been called up at some point this year right yep totally so right that's what's holding him back not a 10 million dollar contract that would put them over <laughs> the luxury tax which yeah. was a situation that we've never seen and probably will never see again in fact i think they closed whatever loophole that was yep so yeah no that's a great call um i don't know i hope we see him maybe Maybe in September when they get two extra roster spots. So, All right. Anything else? Anyone that I forgot about or that you wanted to mention this week, Shelly? Uh, no. No. I think that's about it. Okay. Well, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at BobOsgood15. Shelly is at ShellyV underscore 643. Uh, you can find both of us. Uh, 
podcasting and now we're both i'm writing it over the monster now and we're both a dynasty guru as well so seeing a little more of me on the website but hit us up if you have any questions or write something in the comments from the pieces that we have on the website and thanks everyone for listening and have a great week